Yeah, there was music in the house. My mom um, always had Motown going and uh, a lot of the doo-wop singers and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of a lot of black music in the house, and that's probably why I'm a, a bass player today. I don't gravitate towards, um, let's just say the halftime show at the Super Bowl excited me. I, uh, I enjoy that kind of uh, flavor of, of stuff. So if there was a funkier instrument besides the bass, I'd play it. So um, that's kind of, I'm not a guitar player. I'm not a drummer or anything else. I am a bass player. And that's, uh, that's, that's all I want to play. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are jumping off the Springsteen train, and we are getting on the film, I guess, um, golf cart? Isn't that what they'd fall around in studios? They they ride around in their golf carts. We are talking movie making. We are talking <laughs> independent films. We are talking about scores. And uh, I have Amber and Vinny joining me. I am so thrilled you guys took time of your busy schedules to join me. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us, baby. I appreciate it. No problem. All right. Ladies first. Amber, tell us a little about yourself. So um, I am actually, I'm a musician. I've been playing for about um, 20, 24 years now. Started when you were three. (laughs) No, like I was about nine. So that just gave my age away. Um, And um, I do various styles of music. I've played in churches, um, pop, country, whatever whatever you want to call it. And I'm actually starting up my own wedding business. We're getting ready to start doing wedding music. Um, and I got into acting um, about later in high school. I started doing theater acting and um, fell in love with it. And then I kind of got out of it for a little bit because I got married, had babies, moved everywhere because my husband was in the military. And um, I got back into the theater about four years ago. And there I went from doing acting into doing costuming and in from costuming doing reenactment shows like snapped uh, and Vinny and I have known each other for a really long time he's known me since I was like what 18 19 I was a baby and um I'm just glad you were legal right <laughs> and so we um reconnected on Facebook and he was like hey we're making movies I'm like hey do you want like this you know, sexy curvy girl in your movie, you know, because I know how film kind of translates plus size people. And he's like, yeah. So I came in to do a song playing the piano and singing for the music for the score. Yeah. And from there, it moved into set production and videography and location scouting. And now I'm doing public relation work in the in between the movies. So I'm a pretty busy person. Very nice. Where are you coming from? Where are you calling from? Tennessee, okay. out in near the Smoky Mountains, so ah. in Sevierville, Pigeon Forge area. Very nice. All right. And Vinny, how about yourself? Uh, I'm a pro wrestler, a bass player, a filmmaker. 
um, a stand-up comedian, a bad father, a worse husband, and a backslidden preacher. Uh, we started uh, Big and Funky Productions uh, about six years ago, making um, really, uh, really terrible wrestling television for Fox. And that turned into uh, some quirky and fun uh, paranormal television for a couple small stations. And then when COVID happened, we decided to, uh, me and my partner, uh, Big Luke, who's a seven-foot giant, uh, we actually have a wrestling match Saturday. Uh, he, uh, we decided to start making movies since production was was way down. So that was something we decided to do. And, and we've been, uh, the movie bug has bit us. And, and I have a lot of interest. And uh, I don't know if I have a lot of talent, but I, I have the ability to kind of do what I want to do, which is nice. And uh, <clears throat> so there's nothing like making movies that has kind of fulfilled um, all the uh, creative itches that I have to scratch. So you that's know, kind of where I'm coming from. One of the really great things about technology, and there's a lot of downsides, but there is... Yes. The, the the wall, so to call, of stopping you from having an idea to making it a reality is it there it is very scalable now uh, because of technology, because of, you know, um, the Internet. Um, no way. Ten years ago, I'm having a podcast about talking to Bruce Springsteen fans from around the world. Right. Like what? First of all, what is a podcast? Uh, and so and as I've expanded, I've, my itch has been, I want to talk to people that are passionate about anything, uh, you know, because it's just, it's fun to visit with people. So thank you guys for joining me. I can't wait to hear more about um, your, your journey in films, but I always like to start at the beginning. So I'm going to start with you, Vinny. Uh, where did you grow up and was there a lot of music in the house? Did your parents influence your musical fandom? Great question. I grew up, um, I was born in Baltimore. That's something that I think I mentioned in almost every movie we've done so far. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think Baltimore is a funny town to be from. Yeah. It conjures up a lot of uh, ideology. And then when you're in, when we're in East Tennessee, that's a whole different ball of wax. So sure. Uh, it's, a, it's like a, a chocolate in the peanut butter kind of yeah. origin story. Um, yeah. There was music in the house. My mom, um, uh, always had Motown uh, going and uh, a lot of the doo-wop singers and stuff like that. And uh, a lot of, a lot of black music in the house. And that's probably why I'm a, a bass player today. I don't gravitate towards, um, I don't know. Let's just say the halftime show at the Super Bowl excited me. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I enjoy that kind of uh, flavor of, of stuff. So um, if there was a funkier instrument besides the bass, I'd play it. So, um, that's kind of, I'm not a guitar player. I'm not a drummer or anything else. I am a bass player and that's, uh, that's, that's all I want to play. Well, you know, um, to bring it back to Bruce, just for fun, right. It, Gary talents, the guy sitting there in the shades while they're touring, sitting there, just keeping the bass going, uh, you know, so absolutely. Uh, do you, do you do you do stand up bass too? Have you played with that a oh, little yeah. bit? Uh, yeah, I, I love it. Even though I, you know, I'm more of a slap bass sure. kind of funk funk player. My wrestling name's Funk Master V. So, yeah. But um, I do love the stand up bass. In fact, I think 
bass guitar lost a lot of its uh, identity when it, it turned into a guitar. It, when it yeah. went from stand-up bass, it was definitely this intimidating, loud, deep, you know, some macho man or tough, broad wields that thing. And then when it becomes a guitar, it just kind of looks like, well, that guitar only has four strings. You know, it's like, it's a, it's a totally different thing. <laughs> you know? and, and I also am always, um, I think you get short shift when you read stories about, you know, rock, rock bands, like in the fifties or sixties and like, well, um, we got him, um, like we needed a bass player. So we took straws and like, okay, you go learn to play the bass. Right. (laughs) Versus like, no, no, no. I want someone passionate about this. I want someone, you know, who, who knows the beauty of that instrument. Well, the, the interesting thing about the bass guitar is there's probably the best musician on the planet earth as a bass player. His name's Victor Wu. Okay. Um, However, it, the range goes all the way down to I want my cute girlfriend to play in the band, so she's gonna have to learn how to play the bass. So there's this <laughs> wide gambit. I feel like the bass guitar, of all the conventional instruments in a pop band, it's the one with the the least amount of um, oh, what's the what's the word? There, there's the most open. You can play it almost any type of style. Okay. And I know there's tons of different styles you can play with piano and drums and stuff, but it seems like with the bass, you can you can kind of go at it a million different ways and yeah. to make it work. And there's a lot of creativity with that too, uh, that you can uh, experiment with the bass. So um, you can do a lot of stuff with guitar. It's yeah. obvious, but the the guitar is kind of locked into something. The bass right. can actually be two or three different types of instruments uh, if played. Yeah. Absolutely. The right way. Yeah. So, Amber, how about you? Growing up, was your family musical? Did they influence you? Yes, actually, my dad taught himself guitar, and he's actually a pretty phenomenal guitar player. Uh, My brother also taught himself guitar, and he plays guitar and bass. Um, My my whole family on my dad's side, they either sing or they play an instrument. So I come from a very musical family, and everybody plays by ear. No one has ever taken like actual lessons um, or been professionally trained. They're just extremely talented people. So I grew up um, in the Bible Belt, surrounded by bluegrass and Southern gospel. Well, sort of Southern gospel, the good kind, as my parents would call it. Yeah. Um, And they. Oh, she froze. She did freeze. I I, I, fr- I froze her by saying what? I didn't yes. know there was good Southern gospel. I <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I want to say since she's frozen and we've been doing podcasts and stuff for a long yeah. time and I've told her to get equipment that was made in the year at least 2000. She hasn't done it yet, but uh, the, she is a very good piano player. I'm surprised she never took lessons because she reads music, which you don't see a lot of people that have taught themselves how to read music. So yeah, pretty, pretty wild. Uh, you know what I, um, there I love. we go. I there am so go. sorry. That's all right. Uh, if you want, you can turn the camera off, see if that helps uh-huh. your bandwidth. So, yes, I am so sorry about no, that. No, don't, don't worry about it, Amber. All right. So tell us, you were, you were talking about that you, uh, all of your family, uh, plays by ear and that you listen to a lot of bluegrass and good Southern gospel. And then Vinny tripped <laughs> you up by going, what? There's such a thing. <laughs> 
did she hang up? I, don't know. I think she accidentally hung up. Well, all right. all right. I'll make notes to edit this and it will look seamless after oh, the fact. I'm always on her rear end about this, but yeah, uh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, so, I don't understand why my internet is going out. We have like the fiber optic stuff. So Okay, go ahead, Amber. So so, um, yes, I grew up in a very musical family and, um, I've been singing since the age of four. So, um, basically I've been surrounded by music my whole life. So it's been a very big influential part of my life. So, I mean, I really can't imagine my life without it. So I started originally with piano and I do play guitar, not extremely exceptionally well, not like my dad or my brother, but I do play guitar. Um, I can play harp a little bit, but not, you know, piano is basically my forte. And, um, but yeah, so music has definitely been there since the very beginning. So did either one of you, uh, there's, I, I find this a lot when I'm interviewing people that um, often when you hit your teenage years, you rebel against your parents' music and you find your own voice. And then later you come back when you get, um, you know, like in your middle twenties or thirties going like, oh, you know, that Merle Haggard stuff my dad listened to, that's pretty damn good. Uh, or you never lose that. You just, you realize that it's good music and you may expand your listening taste, but you never feel like you needed to abandon. Um, just any thoughts about that statement? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I think um, I took what was in the house and I built on it. Um, yeah. Motown, R&B, um, there was Elvis, uh, my dad, I never, I never heard my father listening to music, which is, is weird. I don't even know. I think he liked country. I'm not even sure what yeah. he liked, but, but, um, I always listen to my mom's stuff. And then, um, and then that's, I saw the movie it's talking about music. I, I saw the movie Crossroads with okay. uh, Joe Seneca and, and Ralph Macchio and, yeah. Jamie Gertz and Steve I. And that blew my mind. The score was made by Ry Cooter. I've never heard music like that before. I heard blues before, but that movie sounded like aliens came down and played music that I'd never heard uh, in ways I never heard it before. And I fell in love with that movie. I mean, it's a freaking, it sounds like a movie I would make. It's a, a kid breaks an old guy out of jail to go back down to Mississippi to find a, a, a lost song and they have to fight the devil to get it. Um, I mean, it sounds like a crazy plot. It is a crazy plot. It's a great freaking movie, but the music is what makes it unbelievable. So when I heard Crossroads, I would watch that movie four or five times a week. And I just, it was weird. I would, I would play a lot of the guitar licks um, on the bass and um and that's uh, I, I built from that. So then, then I discovered funk on my own, and then I discovered, you know, rock. And then I was a teenager around the grunge period. So, mm-hmm. you know, Lenny Kravitz or not Lenny Kravitz, Living Color, uh, yeah. Kings Kings X, Faith No More, and a Bled into Pearl Jam and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, you were cool. talking. You were ta- as we're filming as we're talking and recording this it's it's right after the super bowl and my son is 33 and he had come over to watch the super bowl and the halftime show was just he was grinning from the moment it started till the end because that was his youth 
he said, you know, this was the music I remember growing up with and just loving and, and just uh, he was so happy. Um, and, you know, I just think there's there there's that joy and that love of of embracing. My parents were huge country and Western fans, um, just Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard and Hank Williams. And my mom also loved like Fats Domino and Bobby Darren and, you know, this, this, the fifties, um, a lot of the fifties music. And, you know, I, I, I tell this joke often on the podcast. It's not a joke. I remember being, nine, 10, something like that. It was in the late sixties and I was visiting my cousins in Ohio and none of them could believe that I couldn't name all four Beatles. <laughs> I'm like, you know, Hey, I'm this kid growing up from the Southwest, South Louisiana with the parents that did nothing but listen to country music. I, I barely knew who the Beatles were, you know, because that it wasn't something playing on the radio. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, yeah go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say it's an interesting anecdote there that um, and, and all that music your parents listened to, I would take that, even though that's not my favorite style of music. Yeah, uh, that I would take that over almost anything being produced today because most yeah. everything else is is so bad now. Yeah, it yeah. is when you think about all the, you know, Johnny Cash and um, I especially I, I love his story that, you know, he goes through all this and then this with Rick Rubin has this re renaissance, you know, toward the end of his life for this whole generation, including MTV are like, oh, man, this guy's cool uh, is just a really kind of fun life. Um, you mentioned that you wrestled in a previous life and I guess still do a little bit. Um, yeah. One of my son's favorite memories is. Um, he was in the sixth or seventh grade and WrestleMania was coming to the Astrodome. We live in Dallas, you know, Houston's only three or four hours away. And just the idea of ever going to WrestleMania in person. And uh, I said, well, hey, if you get straight A's, I'll take you. And, you know, then after the fact, Lynn and I went ahead and bought tickets, whether he made it or not, but he made it. And uh, he still at 30 talks about going to WrestleMania with his dad and saying, dad, is it okay if I show the finger, shoot the finger? I'm like, yeah, I don't care. It's WrestleMania. Have fun. So <laughs> I, were you like every other kid watching wrestling on Saturday afternoons on independent channels? And is that what got you into wrestling? Uh, wrestling? Yeah. I mean, I was, um, I, I watched it on TV. I happened across it. Um, you know, WTBS, it was Jim Cocker, Crockett Promotions. I think the Rock and Roll Express was the first wrestlers I ever saw, Jimmy Valiant uh, on TV. And it, 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 you know, when you're that age, man, there's nothing better than wrestling. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's just amazing. And then so I grew out of it like everybody else. And then I went and did music and comedy and, t you know, TV and stuff like that. And, but when I hit about 32, I was like, I got bored with music, weirdly enough. A lot of people don't believe that, but I just got, I played so many shows. It just was like almost, I don't know, I want to do something else. It's kind of the sure. plight of my life. And I was like, I'm still young enough where I could, I could do this. I'm, I'm physically, I was, uh, I, I was in judo. Um, I won the state championship in judo. So I was like, I think I have a natural proclivity to, to do this. And I'm also a smart ass. I have a natural ability 
to uh, get people to boo me. And, and uh, I, uh, in our music band as the bass player, I was the bad guy. We actually had a good, you know, the front man was the good guy. Uh, womanizer, you know, would walk on people's tables and knock over their drinks. And the entire time people would be smiling at him like he was the greatest thing in the world. Anybody else do that, they'd get punched. Sure. He had a great charisma. And I would be the bad guy. I would, we'd play a song like Gin and Juice or whatever. And I'd be like, um, after the song was over, I'd get on the mic and be like, I believe that song glorifies drugs. Should and people would be like, shut up. And the you know, lead singer would be like, shut your mouth, you friend. And he'd cuss me out. Or that we'd play like Pony by Genuine. I'd be like, I believe that song uh objectifies women. Is that is, <laughs> shut up? You know, so we so it, there would be this dichotomy that, you know, we weren't just playing music, we were putting on a show. And so yeah. that transferred really good into wrestling and and being from the north and coming down south, you know, it was na- it was just natural to be a bad guy. I'm wearing a mink coat in the house, so I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just I have. Oh, you're back! I, I am. Have, I've been I've back had, for like the last like five minutes. I'm just letting you talk. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, it's, it's what you do. But anyway, so yeah, I I so I got into it and I loved it. I mean, wrestling is great. Wrestling when it's great is the best thing on earth. When it's bad, it's it's horribly shameful and terrible but when it's good it's so good yeah um it is um in fact i i almost think that um if if you ask him his favorite songs he will start naming wrestling um you know entrance songs (laughs) you know that's that's how much of a thing he is um well so you guys have kind of mentioned it a little bit but let's let's amber talk about how a little bit more how you guys got together and decided that from, you know, doing wrestling and being a professional musician, you know, you did the Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney. Hey, let's put on a show. So (laughs) either one of you take lead on that and kind of go back and forth and tell me the story. Well, yeah, I'll I'll start it and then you can finish. But like it, the first movie we, we did um, Amber wasn't around and, um, we just decided, um, Luke was wanting to do a horror movie and I kept going, man, a movie, forget about it. Too much work. And mm-hmm. it is. And I'm the one that does a lot of it. But, uh, um, when COVID happened, um, the production houses shut down. We were, right. we were making uh, paranormal television. We were producing three television shows. Amber was actually on one of the shows as a guest. Uh, telling ghost stories, but we did a paranormal investigation show. But at that point it was like, let's do, we had an investigation uh, where we went to Cherokee, North Carolina and uh, investigated this legend called Spearfinger. And we had a lot of crazy stuff happen to us in the woods on this road called the road to nowhere. Uh, We think there's, there's possible evidence that we ran across something that either was or was trying to purport itself to be Spearfinger. And we were like, what a great um, legend uh, Spearfinger was. She's basically a rock golem, but she's a shapeshifter. She can look like your grandmother. She can look like somebody you want to bang. She can look like a little kid. And if she beckons you off the trail, she has a long finger, an obsidian finger can pierce your liver and eat it. She's a cannibal, horrible person, has a pet raven 
they ought to make comic books about this this thing. She can throw boulders and manipulate nature. And, and there was a lot of people that were dying because of fallen trees. And that's one of her MOs. So we decided to make a horror movie. And then it turned into a comedy. And uh, we had mild success with that. And actually, we had pretty good success for what we didn't know what we were doing. And then when uh, we were coming around the second movie, which is actually about a Southern gospel radio station, um, Amber and I crossed paths again. And she's like, hey, you know, I'm in TV. I'm doing Christian TV. And I was like, that'd be pretty good. And I always loved Amber. Amber's so damn cute. I just want to grab her <laughs> cheeks and kiss her all night long. Uh, Sam wouldn't like that. But anyway, um, she's an adorable person and uh, a great asset to the team. And the first movie was Luke, who's my tag team partner. He's a guitar player. And then Candy, uh, if you ever see the movie, she's my girlfriend in the movie, but in real life, she's married and has a bunch of kids, but she's a heavy metal singer. She's a guitar player too. She's a very talented chick. And then Travis, who's another wrestler friend of ours who does not play any instruments. And I said, if he ever learned how to play drums, we could be a band. But anyway, um, <laughs> so that was basically it. We had a couple friends that would help. We had a couple actors that came help. This next movie is expanded. Amber's part of the team. We have drag queens. We have furries. We have uh, comedians, magicians, musicians, pro wrestlers. It's just this, there's over a hundred actors in the second movie. And uh, Amber not only acted, she uh, was a production assistant and uh, like she said before, costumes and all that stuff. So we picked her up and she's been on our weekly podcast almost every week, but she's been a, uh, she's been a behind the scenes uh, lady almost every week and with PR with our company and stuff like that too. She's, she's been phenomenal. So Amber brag about yourself or brag about the team. Um, well, I like to say that I'm a person in many hats. I fill in the gaps wherever things, wherever things need to be fixed or stuff needs to be done. And um, Vinny basically says I'm, I'm the female version of him. So we get along pretty well. Yeah. He, he handles a lot of things and I do my best to kind of take that, take some of the stuff off of him and handle it just as well, if not better. Right. <laughs> um, some and, things you do, some things you do a, a lot better than me. I, and I appreciate your, your help. Except for having good internet access, apparently, but that's one day. <laughs> one day. One day. <laughs> but um, we really do have a fantastic team. Um, everybody has, unique strengths that they bring to the team that really um, make the team so unique in what it is. And what I do like about Vinny and Luke, you know, kind of being the head of all of it, they allow people to have their creative liberty to express themselves or to do, you know, what, it, what you know, act the way they feel like they should in a scene or um, bring ideas to the table. Um, and they're not they're not closed off to it because it's their company or it's, it's their movie. They're very open to letting people, you know, throw ideas or lines or I do like tweaks in the scene out. And so I um, I really enjoy working with them. It's probably the first group, like first director and group of people that have been pretty chill that I've worked with. So it's. Um, I've had a lot of fun. Oh, there you went. I'll tell you, she, um, I guess, I've, okay. I'm here. Am well, I back now? I think you're good. 
was okay. just bragging on you. The last movie, I don't want to give too much away. Not only you were a location scout for some of the most important scenes in the movie in the last one, and uh, there was a scene that you came up with one of the, I think, the coolest visual. Yes. In the entire movie, you came up with that. So I think that was sexy as hell and and um, one of my favorite parts of the movie. And that was all you. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how we operate, man. Yeah. And I'm excited. And now for the the movie that we're getting ready to film in, in the su- in the spring, which is um, Camp Smokey, which is a straight horror film. Uh to do a lot of the videography and the cinematography of that and also help with like um, like assistant directing because a lot of people are going to that are normally behind the scenes are going to be on the other side of the camera so I get to wear a little bit of a bigger hat and have an even bigger role in this in this next movie behind this behind the camera which I'm really excited about the the question I have and I've asked this a lot I've had different musicians join me on the podcast especially over the past two years and I say how do you promote an album when you're a singer-songwriter when you can't tour I mean you know the the standard method is right you you get money together you put together you have at least some hard CDs printed out. You go to a club, you, you hope you get an audience, you hope they like you enough and they (laughs) hope you sell enough CDs to fill your tank of gas to get to the next one. And you hope that other people are also going and going to band camp and downloading music. And, you know, like (laughs) I could keep this going, right. Um, How do you promote a movie in the middle of a pandemic? And how do people, I mean, how do you get it out there and how do people see it? Well, it's, it is, uh, we were very fortunate with the hike, which was the first one. Um, we had a guy that was watching us and we had no idea. Um, we yeah. had a guy actually who was a charlatan. Uh, he was giving us a bunch of bull and, and one of our friends brought him in and we found out that he was, he was dying for about nine years. He's like, I'm on my deathbed. So every time there was a bad question or what are we doing here? What, what's the money? Are we talking yeah. about money here? You go, oh, I'm sick. Oh no, I'm, I, it's back. And so uh, we realized pretty quickly he was full of crap. So we actually got really lucky with uh, having a distributor uh, find us. Like I said, it was a, with us, it was a calculated move because there was no content. So we were like, if we make a bad movie, it's going to go out there because people are dying to watch anything new. Yeah. And we've made something I think is pretty damn good, especially considering everything. And um, the distributor picked it up, put it on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Anybody's with Amazon Prime can watch it for free. And um, and people that watch it all the way through are like, holy crap, I can't believe it ended that way. What a funny movie. And and. and so there's word of mouth and we had a lot of people watch it when it first came out. A lot of people who are wrestling fans watched it. A lot of people who are musician fans. I mean, we, one thing about everybody kind of coming from these little universes, we all have a little bit of a following. So instead yeah. of it's like a bunch of friends going, Hey, we made a movie. There are people that are excited about whatever we release. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, man, like it's a movie people are at home people are still some people are still afraid of the coronavirus or afraid yeah. of a good word or leery of it sure uh, uh so they're staying inside and they're just consuming as much content and passing the time and 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 you know like somebody 
the hike has been illegally downloaded over a hundred thousand times in India. I can't imagine who in the hell with the jive talk, the redneck hip hop, uh, grifter talk dialogue of that movie. I don't know who sat there and, and try to translate that into, into Hindi, but God bless them for it. Uh, but yeah, it, um, you know, so it, it's a little different than music. I feel like music, when you're a musician, you're just screwed, man. Yeah. It's all, it's all luck. You're just, you're shouting up to the heavens. And like you said in the beginning of your podcast, we now have a thing. Oh my God. Now, da, 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 da. I, we live in Tennessee. We're making movies out of Tennessee. We don't have to move to LA or Toronto yeah. or not even Nashville. So now that's an advantage. But the problem is you got everybody screaming up to, you got 7 billion people. You're not competing with, you know, I'm not competing with Billy Eilish or William Eilash, whatever her name is. Um, I'm not competing against the late show with Stephen Colbert. I'm yeah. competing against 7 billion people with TikTok videos. Yes. And that's what we're all competing against. Yes. So everybody's producing content, which is awesome. Yeah. But it's also, if you have a, a gym, it's going to be hard for people to find it. You just have to get lucky, really. Well, uh, you know, I'm looking at your IMDb page and you guys really did well at all these different film festivals. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a lot to be proud of. Yeah, we're happy. Yeah, I, you know, I, you guys are kind of, I, and I love the fact you're kind of like, you know, well, yeah, we're pretty proud of it, but there's a lot of, you know, there's not only nominations, but a lot of wins. Um, so good for you guys. That Thank That's you. great. Um, why comedy horror and now why horror? What, what about that genre spoke to y'all that, hey, this is what we want to do? I think uh, com- the, the, the hike was supposed to be pure horror. Okay. And we were casting Travis, which is the wrestler El Gordo Gringo, which okay. if you're not wise is the fat white guy. Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he, he and Candy were going to be the couple and mm-hmm. wonderful, but there was a couple dates he couldn't make. And so we decided to make me this gross old man in a relationship with a hot young girl. It happens in Hollywood. It's like a Woody yeah. Allen movie, I guess. So anyway, yeah. um, and I can't do anything serious. Uh, so okay. um, when I'm on camera, there's always this comedic. And so it just turned into a comedy. The way that okay. I hate the woods. I hate walking in the woods. I hate the bugs. <laughs> I've still got effing scars on my damn legs from the damn hike from 20. I hate it. I don't know why anybody goes out there. So the entire time I'm falling, I'm complaining, I'm bitching. So it turned into a, it turned into a comedy. And well, so the second, the second movie yeah. is a horror comedy. And then Luke's movie, which is going to be uh, a lot of his vision is pure horror. And I'm so scared. I'm like, I'm going to make it funny. And he's like, no, you better not. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm going to, it's going to, I'm trying, I'm going to try. So that's, that's the, his, the story he's come up with for the third movie is unbelievable. But um, yeah. And, and the other thing, to be honest with you too, you can make a pretty good horror movie cheap. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Oh, bring that in here. You're a wonderful human being. Thank Hi. you. I've, I have wonderful women who bring me things to drink all the time. Yes. I have a good life. Yeah. <laughs> and the 
so you're so Luke is like, okay, we we've stretched ourselves creatively. We've had some fun. Now then I want to see if we can do something straight horror without tongue in cheek. Right. And that's a good challenge. It is, especially for us. We're we're in the middle of something called the Smoky Mountain Chronicles, and yeah. it's six movies about Appalachia. Okay. And it's legends and lore from each. And I kind of feel like I love the South, even from me. I, I feel like there's a lot of stories that aren't being told, like Spearfinger. Nobody knows what the hell that is. It's a great, yeah. interesting thing. And so our second movie is about religious dogma. In the South, there's no greater evil than the yeah. dog. I'm not talking about God. Yes. I'm talking about the dogma, the soul crushing dogma. Uh, that surrounds religion. That's the bad guy in this the second movie. So yeah. there's all these different legends and lore that we can pick. And there's a you know there's a guy named Rabbit Man that was uh, that we did an investigation with. Who, the legend says he turned he started turning to a rabbit at the end of his life, and he used to murder people because they were cruel to his rabbits. There's all these weird little stories and stuff. So um, yeah, it's just it's a great place. There's a we we, we said six movies. We can make a thousand. Are, this place. are you planning in this this trip this trilogy doubled so yeah. whatever you call a sixth movie arc are you guys going to do something um a little more romantic comedy ish or something are you guys going to stick pretty much to this how far out of your comfort zone are you guys going to go when That's you're writing question. Um, well, the first one kind of turned into a romantic comedy. There was a lot of the first the hike was a genre buster. It was a mystery, okay. comedy, horror, rom-com, a whodunit. There was a paranormal. The second movie is pure comedy horror. Comedy okay. first, then horror. Third mm-hmm. one's horror. The fourth one is going to be comedy, crazy comedy, sci-fi horror. Okay. And then, um, yeah, we don't. In the last one that we have, the sixth one that we've that we've kind of written is a really serious. uh, There's no comedy in that at all. There's no tongue in cheek. There's no. There will be no. There's like all of our movies are a little campy and a little bit like pro wrestling fights and stuff. The last movie is going to be straight serious, hopefully tearjerker type stuff. It's a story that Luke wrote a couple years ago. Um, and people in the horror uh, industry that wrote that are friends of his and they wrote the indie or they signed the NDA, they can't still, they say it's the best original concept for a zombie movie they've ever heard of. Nice. Besides, besides the first one. All right. So the first one is The Hype. What's the name of the second one? WJHCAM. It's about okay. a small town Southern Gospel Station. During Y2K and the return of Christ, what would happen uh, to the people when uh, all the assholes that were left behind? What right. would happen to them? And then the one that's going to that you guys are working on now, Camp Smokey. Okay, that's uh, that's uh, that's that's going to be a a kid survives. Uh, basically, a camp gets overrun by demons. Demons are taking over the world. Yeah, he survives living in the woods. Um, grows up to be a man, uh, kills demons and tries to survive kind of deal. It, that, that sounds awesome. This is great. It'll be awesome. Yeah. The, fo- the fourth movie, 
is the craziest of all of them so far. Okay. It's called Computer Generated Movie. And it's it's a movie about uh, the movie company coming to us saying, you've made three bombs. We're going to make uh, this computer write your movies from now on. And the computer writes terrible movies. And we are forced by contracts to make the terrible movie that the computer wants to make. And in the middle of the night or in the middle of the movie, we decide to usurp the computer's authority. And it turns basically into a comedic version and a horror version of Space Odyssey 2001, Man versus Machine. So that's, <laughs> I like so, it. Yeah, yes. it's, it's, Who would you guys say or are their influences? Who are your, do you guys kind of look to as influences or trailblazers? I mean, our movies are conversational. Um, yeah. So a lot of people say Kevin Smith. A lot of people in the first movie said, it reminds me of Kevin Smith, Blair Witch, yeah. Scent, Evil Dead, that kind of thing. They Live. Yeah. Um, so it's like John Carpenter a little bit. So um, the second one is a lot of probably Kevin Smith. Who else would you think this, the second movie is all like? The second movie's unique, Amber. What do you think? Yeah, about? I think out of anybody, I think it really leans more towards Kevin Smith, especially with like, you know, the black and white and all the stuff that we kind of do kind of reminds me of clerks well yeah. and, type of thing. and so i was thinking of because um when red state came out i went down to austin because he was doing a screening and he did a q a oh, cool. and, and i watched Ooh. red state in the theater oh. and i went wow this is three different movies all in one i mean you know yeah. that at first there's this you know this whole kids and horror and then this preacher that's batshit crazy and then all of a sudden you have a shootout and then at the end you've got this cons- government conspiracy and i was like this is nothing that this has no dick and fart jokes in it whatsoever how is this a kevin <laughs> smith film but yes it is you know and and so i didn't want to, that was my thought i was like man this sounds like your own take you know this isn't a photo you know this isn't a copy but it is something that it it sounds like i'm i i agree with that it does sound like if not an idol it's just something like hey he can do something different why don't we do something different and he and the the reason he's i don't know if he's an idol to me i like him i like clerks i like red state and i like mall rats everything else there's varying levels of yeah yeah but I love Clerks and I adore Mall Rats. Yeah. Mall Rats to me is so good. I, yeah. It's one of my top ten or twenty yeah. favorite movies. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is because that's I remember the mall. That's yeah. something these kids today are, aren't going to remember. Yeah. But anyway, um, he also did so good with very little money, and that was yes. the that's the that was the inspirado. Is like you know everybody yeah. knows Clerks was made for next to nothing and it was yeah you can make a movie um that's damn good and holds up today yeah and i watched it a year ago just because everybody was telling me all these reviews clerks 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 i said i don't need to watch clerks again yeah i was like that's a good movie (laughs) it it really is is, man (laughs) it really is well and i thought of when you were talking about it because um dogma is one of my favorites it certainly Uh, has its flu flaws but the whole idea of taking religion and kind of 
turning it on its ear and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, about yeah. an idea and using that. Um, gosh, this has been great. Um, <laughs> what, what should I've asked you that I haven't? Um, cause I think this is, I, I've really enjoyed meeting you guys. And now then I I'm clicking while we're talking on my little, on my computer, you know, watch list on IMDb, you know, to say, Hey, you know, <laughs> I've got to check these out. Well, I, I just want to say that WJHC, I've just, it's actually just now stopped rendering. I think it's my fine. I've been editing it for the last two and a half months and it's going to be out in about six weeks to 10 weeks on okay. different platforms. And I'm going to tell you, it is so good. It is better than any of us could have made. Um, I actually did. I actually didn't edit it for two months. I put it off because I thought it was going to be god awful. I'm being okay. honest with you. Sure. And then when I was put it together, I was like, "This is good. Everybody's performances are amazing." And it's this cavalcade of crazy characters, uh, magicians, drag queens, furries, comedians. It's unbelievable. And you're talking about dogma. This is actually what it was like. This is my autobiographical story. And when I came down to Tennessee, tried to get in radio and I could only get a job at a Southern gospel station. And I was looking at the crazy hijinks that all these people were doing. I was just there to get a job in radio. And then it's like an out, it's, it's a fish out of water trope. And then boom, midnight happens. Y2K the return of Christ. And then cannibals, demons, uh, zombies, everything running all over the earth. And then, you, you know, you're sitting at a radio station going, what in the hell am I going to do? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and just like dogma, I don't want to spoil anything or, or get too schmaltzy, yeah. but there is a point dogma made me weep. Um, when, when Matt Damon looked at Alanis Morris said, who was playing God and he just yeah. said, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, powerful. And, 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 it, and we have a similar thing in our movie where it's boobs, boogers, butts, Jesus, craziness, sheep screwing jokes, yeah, all this stuff. And there's a point to where, because that's what life is, right? Life right. is a cavalcade of insanity. Yes. And then at some point, somebody gets the lump that you love, or at some point, somebody finds God, or something happens that is, it's serious. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's hopefully what we did with this movie. It's like, you know, everything's, we're running along, having a great time. And all of a sudden, boom, it happens. And, and sometimes you're face to face with somebody higher than yourself and what happens in that situation. So it, it's, it's hopefully a little bit of a ride too. And when do you, when is the plan for it to be out? Um, it should be about six to 10 weeks, Amazon, okay. Tubi. The okay. DVDs on Walmart, uh, Best Buy, okay. uh, all that stuff, you know, Dollar General for some reason. But yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. They're popping uh, up everywhere, though, so it's yeah. fine. Right on. Yeah, uh, we will. Um, I will make sure that I will promote it once again. You guys keep me posted on that. Absolutely. And I will certainly promote it again. And, um, you know, I. I'm going to pre-book you right now after I watch a couple, watch the, I watch hike. And then I watch the, this other one, then I'm going to have you guys back and we're going to 
will I'll do it. Ask the director, ask the writer, ask the scorer, <laughs> ask the easy. ask the best boy. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you know, every possible job in the world we can do. Uh, that is so great. Um, if someone wants to reach you guys and to get more information, where's the best way to go to get information about your your releases and all the other stuff? Um, to big in funky productions.com that takes you right to our website and that will you can go to anything that we've done from there um and you can also um email me directly I, I'm, I'm amber schultz with i'm do the public relations and it's a schultz dot big and funky productions at gmail.com and i can email you all of those if you want yeah, to put that'd those be great them. yes i love that that's yes. great and, and you, um yeah if you if you do go to our website too, big and funky productions.com has all our social media yes. jive and our Good. YouTube channel on the bottom yep. and stuff. So. Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. I, I love this. All right. So um, I kind of gave you guys beforehand, so it's okay if you need to take a pass, but um, I end every episode with the Mary question. And for those of you who are fans of big and funky productions and you're listening to this and going, what the hell is the Mary question, Jesse? Um, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher recently retired in the Philadelphia area. Um, and he would, on his honors English class, they would break apart the Bruce Springsteen song Thunder Road. They would look at all the lyrics. They would talk about the imageries he used, the, the themes of the song. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask the question, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So Amber, Vinny, whichever one first, does Mary get in the car? You go ahead, Vinny. <laughs> I'd say hell yes, because it's Bruce Springsteen. Of course she gets in the car. <laughs> That is a very valid answer. Very nice. Very cool. Amber, any thoughts? Gosh, I'm having to look at the lyrics. I'm such a horrible guest. <laughs> That's okay. No, no, no. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, you want to be ex- to extrapolate? Uh, yes, like I, I would. Word. Yes. I just, I, I would just say that, you know, it's, it's, uh, why would he write the song if she didn't get in the car? That's, that's, a man's not going to write a song about a woman not getting in the car. You know, that's a really good answer. And a lot of my guests say that um, Thunder Road starts the album Born to Run and that Bruce has often talked about that that is an album of kind of a night in Jersey. And so, of course, she gets in the car because that starts the journey. Um, another line that I love. That's a great, is, I didn't I didn't know that. He's saying yeah. Born to Run the entire, that's one album. night in Jersey? Yes. That's a fucking that's cool, yeah. yeah, that's neat. Uh, there is a, the song he wrote, Racing in the Street. Um, uh, there is a line where she sits on her daddy's porch. Um, and the line in Thunder Road is she dances across the porch. And so there have been guests that say, yes, yeah, she gets to the car because later when they're unhappy with their marriage, she's sitting on that same porch thinking about all we've lost. Um, mm-hmm. Other people say, hell no. She doesn't get in the car because he didn't make enough case. He said, hey, you ain't a beauty, but all right. Well, then F you. You don't think <laughs> I'm a beauty? Then hell no, I'm not going anywhere with you. 
Um, my guests are about 60-40, about 60% say yes and about 40% say no. And uh, Bruce Springsteen fans are especially blown away because the majority of them have never thought of that question. They hmm. go, what? No, of course she gets the car. What do you mean? I mean, you know, and then when you start looking at the theory, he doesn't ever say um, it's kind of like um, way back. If you remember um, the lady and the tiger, the short story that you they taught you in junior high or high school, you know, English class where the end of the story is they don't give you the ending. He picks a door and you don't know what's behind each door. So it's kind of the thought. It's like the Sopranos ending. Yes, it is. That's my version of it. So, yeah. Guys, this was a blast. I, I, I so appreciate you taking time to join me. Um, I, I hope, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's great. I, I, I'm I, so sorry for my internet connection being so crappy tonight. That's okay. We, we had a great time. Uh, Vinny, Amber, you guys go to uh, Big and Funky Productions. Uh, I will have the link in the show notes. Check it out. Uh, let me know what you think of the movies. I'm going to let me know. And I, after I, after WJHC AM comes out, I'm going to have you guys back and we're going to do a deep dive on it. So, all right. You're going to love it. I know it. The the hike is, is the hike. If you get, if you get the hike, yeah, you're going to love WJHC AM because the the hike is not for everybody. It's got a different flavor. Of the right. movie, but if you dig it, you're going to love WJHC, man. Well, I am certainly going to do it, and I love it. And I'm going to, I have a friend who is absolutely in love with B movies. He, he, that is his passion. Just the, the cheesier, the bloodier, the gorier, the, you know, just he <laughs> adores. And so I'm going to make sure he's seen your link for this, uh, you know, because he loves horror, all things Harvard. So I will let him know. Vinny, Amber, please take care. Listeners, go get vaccinated. Go get boosted. Go, let's be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye. This podcast would not be possible without my wonderful group of patrons. I want to send a special thanks to John Munson, Mary Thomas, Terry Smith, Dale Hosick, Andrew Goddard, Stephen Malio, Alex Samada, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, Holly Mack, and Captain America, a.k.a. Steve Rogers. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast. Your support means the world to me, and you are forever in my heart. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. Bruce Springsteen Live provides fans with an intimate look into Springsteen's creative process. The Bruce Springsteen Live exhibit opens at the Woody Guthrie Center on Saturday, April 16th, running through Sunday, September 25th. The exhibit will feature iconic artifacts, live performance footage, instruments, stage costumes, exclusive interviews, concert posters, and photography 
as well as unique interactive displays to immerse fans in Bruce Springsteen and the band's creative process. More information can be found at WoodyGuthrieCenter.org. Please let them know that Set Lusting Bruce sent you there, and I'll see you in Tulsa. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.